Hey, welcome back to Lutheranism 101, Worship. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And today we are going through chapter 4 in our textbook, in our book of worship, Lutheranism. And we just want to remind everybody as we begin to reorient our minds to what we're talking about. We're talking about divine service. That is uh, our worship. And the big shift for us is that the divine service is God serving us. Mm. So in worship, we come to receive his gifts to us. God is the one coming to us, giving us his words. We receive his word, we receive his body and blood, and we respond with praise, thanksgiving, and prayers. So the whole thing is flipped from how many of us were raised to think worship was, to think about how it is. Uh, we receive God's gifts. So today in chapter four, it's the story of the divine service. Yeah, so we're going to uh, look at the early church and the development of the divine service um, in early history. So and if, yeah. starting I mean, off... If you're like me, you're trying to say, okay, so this traditional divine service, where is it in the Bible? And if you try to find that in the New Testament, the complete order of the church's divine service, you will be disappointed. But this does not mean that our order is completely man-made. In fact, we see Jesus set the pattern in his own ministry. So right from the beginning, we're seeing the pattern of receiving God's gifts. Yeah, so it, when you look at starting with Jesus' ministry, because you have to start there, yeah. uh, and you look at the things that he does. So wherever Jesus is, this is a great way to read the New Testament, especially the Gospels. Wherever Jesus is, whatever... Jesus is doing, that's where the church is. Right. Wherever Jesus is present, the church is present. And so what is Jesus doing? How is he uh, incorporating the church or building it? He is gathering his disciples together. He's teaching them the words of God. He is announcing forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. He's washing them, cleansing them, and then he's eating with them. Right. I mean, the wedding... Feast at the banquet, his first miracle, mm -hmm. water into wine, is at an over-table fellowship. His whole ministry then, yes, teaching, preaching, prayer, eating, these are all the core of the divine service. Yeah, so again, think of Jesus as gathering a people that are together around himself. They are being uh, identified and secured to and given purpose through the words of God. They are being forgiven and cleansed, and it's all leading to eating with God. Exactly. We're being brought into the presence of God by Christ, mm -hmm. through faith in Christ. So it's no surprise then that uh, it, we look at Jesus' ministry of God touching earth in a specific time and place, mm -hmm. bringing all of his gifts through his son, Jesus Christ. But as Christ uh, is resurrected and ascends, Christ goes and ascends to the full glory, um, he sets up his apostles. And their ministry looks and acts exactly like Christ's. Yeah, so it, so now it, looking at the, the rest of the New Testament, so from Acts on, uh, we get a glimpse at what kind of service the apostles were leading them into. And again, there's no defined set list of Here's exactly what everyone was doing in detailed order. But there are enough references and clues and uh, 
um, things that you can gather and go, oh, we can see, we can paint a pretty clear picture of what the apostles were doing in their uh, worship services. Right, and it's a- essentially, it's a three-part outline of the apostolic liturgy is what we have today around the service of the word, the service of the sacrament, the entrance rites. Because in, in their uh, worship, you have their gathering in the name of Jesus. This mm-hmm. is in Corinthians. Their psalm and hymn singing in Ephesians. They're reading scripture in Revelation and many other places. Preaching based on the scripture, First Timothy. There's creedal confessions. A lot of the Apostles' Creed coming straight from First Corinthians chapter 12. The gathering of offerings, as Paul writes to the Corinthian church. There's intercessory prayer. Prayer of thanksgiving. Um, baptism and the the uh, passing of the peace, the proclaiming of the words of institution and the eating and drinking of Christ's body and blood and the bread and the cup, singing together, holy, 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 the sanctus and the Trinitarian blessing. Like those are all within yeah. the apostolic understanding and carrying on of Christ's presence on earth. Yeah, so this is the service of the apostles while they were still alive. Uh, so this is a... About, like, roughly, we're looking at the years from around 30 A.D., from the time of Christ's ascension, 30, 33, uh, all the way up to roughly 100 A.D., somewhere around there, uh, being the end of the apostolic era, because the Apostle John was uh, alive roughly around 100 A.D. Yeah. Um, There's not firm dates on that, but... He was around pretty long. Yeah. And so he got the... So you get to see the establishment of the church in all of this. So then... And we you have an apostle who is alive yeah. to see that it is faithful. And mm-hmm. as the letters that have been canonized and become the scriptures, they are in line with an actual apostle who has seen Christ, right. been with Christ, seen his death at the foot of the cross, also seen him in his exalted state. So now we get to... The early church era, which is circa 100 to 312 A.D., and this is the this is the era of the church that I think most of us are the most unfamiliar with. For whatever reason, for various reasons, this is usually a giant question mark in our minds and brains when we think about what's the history of the church. Right. It's funny because. For two reasons, it's funny. One, people just like to imagine, like, I mean, how did we even come up with the Bible? They feel like it's been manipulated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at some council that they don't know when it is. And that's wrong. But the reason we don't know is because this period of time between 100, I mean, and 100 AD is not a fun time. No, it's not a fun time. And, but it's not a time that we have no information on. We have no, actually... we know what's going on. We actually have a lot of information on from uh, early historians and then the early church fathers were prolific writers and wrote a lot, especially because they're having to defend Christianity to Rome because Rome is trying to figure out, are you a legitimate religion or not or should we thrash you? Right. And so <laughs> that goes back and forth, Rome's stance on Christianity. But what's happening is... Uh, very clear and definitive works are being written to defend Rome. And the three key ones that are pertinent to our discussion of the divine service are the the Didache, the First Apology, 
and the apostolic tradition. And those were written as like, here are, in these we find clear outlines of what church service looks like. So starting with the, the Didache, which was the the what? very first one. And that's in like 100, right? Yeah, that's 100 about, AD. about 100 AD, if not sooner. And John, uh, the Apostle John's still alive. Uh, yeah, potentially, yes. So this is potentially around written around the time where John the Apostle's still alive, and it just means the teaching of the Apostles. That's what Didache is. Cool. Uh, Teach, yeah, teaching. it's a Greek word for teaching. Yes. And so it's just short for teaching of the Apostles. And in this, we ha- have this amazing breakdown of... Here are just basic things that Christians need to know. It was like an early catechism. Right. Uh, in fact, all the all the elements of the Lutheran catechism are represented in the Didache. Well, and it's important to know, too, that as this is being officially written down, mm-hmm. Rome is persecuting the church. Yes. So, like, they found out that on the Lord's Day, Sunday, people are going in the morning, they're singing praises, they're coming back in the evening after a day of work, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. So they shut down all evening gatherings right. uh, to persecute the church, to stop the church. You know, so that that changes, I mean, just to put it into light, like it, Christians are being accused of cannibalism. Uh, they're eating somebody's body and, and child sacrifice and incest they're being accused of all these things Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing they're being accused of is that they're atheists they don't believe in any of the other gods yeah and that is a threat to the civilization because here are the gods we believe in you're going to hurt us with them uh just to give you some background so the church is being persecuted and and yet out of that persecution christ's word calls people and, uh, and they don't care about the persecution because this news overwhelms whatever Rome can do, Jesus is Lord. And so then the worship is, we'll get back to the worship here. So then the Didache, Didic, Didic, I just know Didasco, I teach. Yeah. Didaskalos. So it is very explicit in what uh, Christian life and Christian worship is supposed to look like. And in it, you have... There's regular fasting is uh, prescribed. They say you should Christians should be praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Right, right. Uh, they have really well fleshed out sacrament rites. So they have here's here's all the rules on being baptized, and they even go down into like what type of water you should be using for right. baptism. And I love it because it's like a a fun sliding scale. They recognize there's freedom. But here's the best practice. You should be using running water. They call it living water. Water that's running through a stream or a river. Use that first. But if you don't have that, then just use cold water. If you don't have cold water, use warm water. And if you don't have uh, flowing water, just use whatever you have. (laughs) And and pour it over them three times. What's cool, so early on, what's guiding those, that scale, is the, the most faithful representation mm-hmm. the most reverent representation not only in our words but in, in the way things look yeah. it is supporting the reality that christ is the living water yeah it's supporting so like these things that we might relegate to oh, it's just tradition they begin from saying no christ deserves we want the the drama and the beauty of christ's actual presence to 
be powerful, not just in words, but also in how it looks and how it feels and what it is. So if we can get running water, do that. Yeah. Now they have the uh, words of institution uh, for the Lord's Supper. They, as I said before, they, it, in the Didache, there's a catechism. So it's like, Lord's, here's the Lord's Prayer. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's um, our confessions and creeds. Uh, they have written prayers. Like, here's prayers that we need to pray during our worship service. Mm. They even have little canticles, little songs written down. Here's the little songs that we're going to sing together. Um, they don't have a lot of time, so this is why they use short songs. But they're short songs taken directly from Scripture. Right. Uh, they even have uh, confession, absolution, and then rules for ordination. Here are the rules for if someone's going to be a minister of God's word, here are specific uh, rules on how that person it gets ordained. That's all very serious mm-hmm. because, again, you're under persecution, but also you're a generation away from Jesus Christ walking the earth. Yes. I mean, so it's like it, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, although there's no complete order of service, we totally recognize what's going on as early as uh, 100. Yeah, as 100. And then in 155 AD, we have what's known as the first apology by Justin Martyr. And Notice his last name. Martyr. Uh, he, he, that <laughs> not, was Not given to him at birth. No, given to him after he was martyred for the <laughs> right. Christian faith, after he at least got two apologies out. Uh, but the first one, we see the most detailed uh, breakdown of the divine service. And he starts off with, uh, well, first, there's lengthy readings of Scripture. Right. Uh, sit down, buckle up. We're going to read a lot of Scripture today. So for those of you who go to New City, you might notice, like, oh, man, they read a lot of Scripture. <laughs> Right, we're just keeping in line with what they were doing as early as 155 A.D. And we keep in line with the reality. These are God's words. words. So why and so not? as we gather, God is giving us his word. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is more valuable than that? And so we believe and we trust that Christ has promised to use his word. This is how he changes. This is how he brings people to life. This is how he secures their resurrection, mm-hmm. through his word. So we treat it seriously. We read it. We put ourselves under it. Then uh, there's preaching that is based and rooted specifically off of the lengthy readings that Mm -hmm. they did that day. There are then prayers for the entire church, which uh, should sound familiar for you guys who are coming to our church. We've now incorporated the prayers of the church, and we pray for the entire church. And I like that because naturally we'll just pray for the things that are directly in front of yeah. us. So, you know, every, we, we struggle with sickness. We struggle with work. But these prayers remind us and re-anchor us to like, hey, we're part of the body of Christ, the light of the world. Yeah. And so we get to and have the power to say, hey, God, save all, you know, bless our government. Bless mm-hmm. the church all over the world. Bless the missionaries. But like we pray for the whole world because it's ours. Yeah. Then they have... They even have listed the passing of the peace. It looked a little different than how we do it. We do it with a handshake. Uh, the ancient and, church and did announcing it, peace. Yeah, did it with a with a kiss. Right. Um, which culturally we it's too distracting, so we don't do that anymore. But 
a handshake uh, conveys the same idea. Right. But even culturally for them, it was countercultural. It was, So realizing yes. that when you walk into the divine service where God is giving his gifts, it is a different culture. It's an eternal culture. Mm-hmm. So it does, it does challenge what's happening in the world. Um, but we see ourselves as now citizens and, and receiving the gifts of Christ. So it's, it does look different. So even having our people say, hey, peace, announce peace, peace to of, you. Peace Where else Lord. in life do you announce peace? Right. In Nowhere. In official capacity. Right. Like with authority. Yeah. Uh, they then have the same Lord's Supper, institution of the Lord's Supper that uh, we have. They had prayers of thanksgiving after then they would uh, distribute the leftovers of the meal. Because, again, it, this was like a meal and almost like a service to recognize, like, we're living in the new creation where God takes care of us, so he gives us food to eat. And for them, this was real issues. Like, the people in their congregations, they had people who were starving. So they would then take the extras of the Lord's Supper and distribute it and make sure people who uh, needed food for the week, had food, and people who were unable to come and participate in the Lord's Supper would then get sent the leftovers of the Lord's Supper for them. Uh, And then they would do disbursement of the tithes. And this was, again, a way for the rich uh, people of the church to make sure that the poor people of the church had what they needed to live. And that's cool with the Lord's Supper. I mean, we, we engage the Lord's Supper and believe that it's the true body and true blood of Christ strengthening, nourishing mm-hmm. our faith. Yeah. And, uh, but in a world where that is not just uh, symbolic and then approached to by faith, but also approached by actual need, I mean, that is the church. The church is yeah. heaven and earth touching. Mm-hmm. And so the physical and the spiritual needs being met, um, the physical needs are an overflow of the grace and goodness yeah. of God. And you see that in the, their handling of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. It's actually an overflow of Christ's goodness to us in his body. Yeah, and, and I do want to say that Justin Martyr made it explicitly clear that the Lord's Supper is Christ's body and blood. Right. It is not symbolic. It is not... Um, uh, something that we're just representing or, or just, attaining through a spiritual sense. It is Christ present right. with us. It's uh, table fellowship with God. Yeah. So then we get to 215 AD and we get the apostolic tradition written by Hippolytus. Hippolytus. Who, who was a bishop of Rome. And in this we get a, a fuller version of the baptismal rite and in that baptismal rite it looks almost identical if you've ever seen us baptize uh any children recently mm-hmm. uh it looks and sounds identical to our service it's 215 ad it was just 215 ad um they would baptize the entire household starting with children then going to the father then going to the wife they would then give a teaching on baptism. So this is what it means, and this is what we believe about baptism. They would have uh, the people being baptized renounce Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, Confess the Apostle Creed, yep, right? Yep. You work through that. Then there were some... Now, this is where it's different. 
and this is what we don't do right now because for <laughs> you, you make it sound like it's something we have planned. No, 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 no. Uh, it's just again culturally, it's too distracting for us right. to do this. But uh, in the ancient church, they would be baptized naked, yeah, and then be clothed with white robes following the baptism. So you've stripped off your old identity as a sinner, and now you're being raised up out of the waters and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's beautiful. I mean, they'd also anoint with oil of exorcism, mm-hmm. which we, we use. We, we actually do that. Do that. Yeah. But they, uh, they also receive, like, at times, milk and honey as a symbol of the promised land. But you can get an idea, like, using the physical to reinforce and beautify and act out the mm-hmm. spiritual. Yeah, that Christ has connected us to these things. So the fact that we strip away all outward things is not in line with the historic church. No. They're doing everything they can to go, here's milk and actual honey. Touch it, feel it, because it's yours. Yes. And then it, they have the Lord's Supper. And what I, I love about this is they had, uh, it's called the preface dialogue to the Lord's Supper, which we've started doing. And it's, ex- it's almost word for word the same. Yeah. And they say, uh, before the Lord's Supper, they say, the Lord be with you. And then the congregation says, and, and with, with your, your spirit, spirit, lift up your hearts. We, we have, have them, them with, with the, the Lord. Lord. We lift them up to you. Let us give thanks to the Lord. It is meet and right. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Like, that's so cool. So we're saying the same words that the church has been saying uh, since at least 200 Right. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, I love it just too. Like if you ever get a chance to travel again and you're going through these places that have ancient, you know, like Rome or something. Dude, we're still saying the same things that Christians said. Yes. And that's 215. You know what I mean? Like words have lasted longer than structures. It's so cool. And I love this because again, it's not something that Adam and I are making up. Right. It's not based off of our creativity or intuition or inspiration. It's rooted in the words of God and the traditions of the church that have tested or lasted the test of time uh, for 2,000 years. Yeah. I love that. I I, love not having to try to figure something new to keep people interested. Yeah, no. We're we're anchored and rooted to something that is ancient and eternal yeah. that people will continue to say until Christ comes back. Uh, Come, Lord Jesus. So this kind of gets us up to 312, and in 312, there's a big shift. Uh, and this is where Constantine becomes emperor of Rome, and he decides to back Christianity. Yeah, I mean, so Constantine is a huge moment. For better or for worse, it depends on yeah. what book you're writing. Yeah, because uh, Christians can look at this as good or bad. But uh, what happens is he recognizes in 300, hey, you know, we've been persecuting and killing Christians for 300 years, and they keep making it. Maybe there's something to their God. <laughs> they keep a- making it, and at this point, they are roughly half of the Roman population. <laughs> so uh, you can't beat them. <laughs> Join him. He's gone into a big war and he has a dream. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Cairo, the first two letters of Christ's name on a shield, and he wins. So he's like, I think I'm going to, I think it's time to uh, 
to try and grab hold of this God. Yes. And so uh, whether he actually believed or not, I don't, who cares? That doesn't matter. What happens is he legalizes Christianity. So now there's many gods in Rome. Mm -hmm. This has become an official protected religion. So now that opens up a lot for Christianity in terms of now you can actually have a space. You Mm -hmm. can get buildings. Mm -hmm. You can be in the open. You can... And so this is where a lot of the church begins to blossom with now protection and resources. Yeah, so uh, you see like a real, it's, it's like an era of creativity for the church where they still keep the bones of the divine service, but now they have, uh, so Constantine donates the basilicas, which are like government regulation buildings um, for gathering. And he donates them to the church. And so now they have these giant spaces. And so in these giant spaces, you now have one, you have time. He makes uh, Sunday a holy day of rest. So now you have all this time to then really build out your worship service and a space to then play with. And so they, that's where we get new hymns come out of this because now they have time to sing songs. You get vestments. um, You have full entrance the entrance right because now you have a space to move in um all the collects of the church get written the lectionary and the church calendar all come during this time because now they have money they have protection and they have spaces to build out the divine service so what's cool is the content of the liturgy itself doesn't change at all but this constantinian period does bring in increased beauty and movement to the ceremony and the rite grew to accommodate it yeah so the the content just gets enhanced through uh artistic and aesthetic beauty so that's that's in 300 fast forward 700 years Mm -hmm. to a thousand and we start getting into the medieval times and again like there's good and bad the good news is that the uh, content of the liturgy is it's just like the word of god it always makes it yes um, but there's good and bad stuff put on top of it. And so with wealth comes a whole different slew of problems, uh, just as being persecuted has mm-hmm. its problems. And so we start to see the fruit of of, uh, of wealth. Yeah, so things start to get corrupted. Uh, the, the church leaders are now influential in ways that they weren't before, and politics gets involved, and... and over time, certain basic theology gets changed and warped. Uh, The main issue comes around uh, the Lord's Supper for this. And the Lord's Supper ceases to be a sacrament in our understanding of God's gift to us, and they turn it into a sacrifice, which is now something the people are doing for God. And that's a huge problem. Um... Because now we're using it as a, uh, a way to reinforce our piety to God instead of receiving Christ's righteousness and his gifts. We're now saying, look what we're doing for you. We're sacrificing your son all over again. Right. And, and aren't we good? <laughs> aren't we good now? Um, and that's, that's where Luther then, it's ripe for Reformation, right? Yes. So then Luther comes in and... Re- and doesn't redefine, he conserves. He's like, no, here is what the liturgy is carrying. Here's the word of God. And the main thing for our purposes is what you just said, the sacrifice of the mass. We have to redefine that. It is not that um, 
Christ's body and blood were to be offered to God to make satisfaction for our sins. Luther is saying now, it's on the basis of Jesus' own words, for you, that Christ's body and blood were to be received as a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And there's the language of divine service. And so we needed to be reoriented to, oh, no, this is gifts to us Mm -hmm. uh, and for us. Yeah, and then also during the Reformation period, uh, the divine service had been uh, translated into Latin. And at this point, not a lot of people knew Latin. Uh, And so you're going to a church service and you're hearing these priests ramble off in a language that you don't know. So now the service means nothing to you. You can't hear God's good gifts being given to you. Um, And so Luther advocates for translating the service into the common tongue um, and making it something that people then can be very clear on, like, oh, we're coming here to receive God's gifts. We actually can hear his words, understand them, and partake in the Lord's Supper. Right, so when when you make our worship a sacrifice, things that come out of that are piety, right? Mm-hmm. So you're now just focused on, am I good enough? Am I doing good? It becomes inward to the point where the priests were not saying the words of institution before the Lord's Supper out loud. It's like silence. Yeah. Uh, people are not offered the bread and the wine. There's right. only maybe bread for you, but wine has to be reserved for someone who's pure and holy, holy enough. Yeah. And, and you start getting in all these weird places, and that's where um, then the Reformation is based on this whole idea of the gospel, justification by grace through faith on account of Christ alone. Um, and that's the restoration mm-hmm. at, at uh, 15... 1500 now in church history, the restoration of what God is doing and giving for us. And it's a total game changer. Yeah. So then the 500 years leading to us now, um, there's ebbs and flows of this. And, but basically what the Lutheran church, the confessional Lutheran church has done is fought to maintain and protect the original, idea of the divine service found in the early church and keep it going uh, in our present era and whatever time they found themselves. So it was just always a, a an attempt to conserve what the church has handed down to right. us. And that's what the, like our expression, our denomination, yes, has done and has done well. Um, and this is what we're finding and, and we're discovering, discovering it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, because when you grow up apart from this understanding, you just don't have any idea. No one ever describes to you what is worship. They mm-hmm. just figure you just innately know, oh, I'm coming, I'm c- being led into the presence of God. But how are you being led into the presence of God? Yeah. Where is God? It's God comes to us through his word and sacrament. Yeah, I don't even know if I had a good understanding in the places I went to before this that we were going into the presence of god no because i know for me god's present everywhere i was an ordained presbyterian minister who just believed that christ is like handcuffed to the the right hand of god and so we go up to him spiritually it's totally and and then then we're just in the wild west on how to do that yeah and so if you're you know it it wasn't good for me so i praise god that we found this it's rooted in scripture rooted in history it's the word of God and it endures forever. Yeah, it's lasted 2,000 years. It'll last 2,000 more. And this is something I'd rather be a part of 
been trying to just make up a, a clever reconstruction of electric company. And the, the word of God, <laughs> the word of God comes to us and still comes to us. That's what's amazing. Like yes. the word made flesh dwells among us. Yes. And so we're, we're just saying in divine, so he continues to come to us and here's the means by which he delivers his gifts, word and sacrament. And so as beautiful and as tangible as we can make that, Praise God. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. So that was chapter four yep. uh, in Lutheranism 101 worship. It's been great. Yeah. We'll talk to you next time.